So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, 6, uh, verse 15, we're, t- we're, sort of, we're picking up um, sort of halfway through um, uh, sort of Paul speaking about something. So just to set the context, Paul has begun chapter 9 basically by speaking about the fact that if you, if you preach the gospel, you can expect to be paid to preach the gospel. That should be your kind of, uh, as well as a spiritual reward, you, um, it's, very, it's biblical to expect a kind of a material reward for preaching the gospel. If you preach the gospel, you should expect to be provided uh, for so that you can do that. So, so in the church, um, if you're a church minister, uh, we don't get a salary, uh, we get a stipend. And the, the difference between a stipend and a salary is a stipend is you're not, you're not paid to do what you do. I'm not paid to pastor the church. You're not paid to share the gospel. Uh, your living expenses are provided for so that you can preach the so you can preach the gospel. It's kind of that way around. And it's and that's a very biblical thing to do that you free up someone's time to preach the gospel. Right. So Paul has said, look, this is this is how it works. This is kind of a riot. And he says, I could claim this from you Corinthians, but Paul's point is he says, I'm not going to do that and I never would. I would never, Paul's, uh, he provides for himself. Uh, but he says it is, it is a right that you could claim, if you wanted to, to be, expect to be paid to preach the gospel. And that's where we sort of pick up in verse 15. He says, I've not used any of these rights, and I'm not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Though I am free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So this is Paul writing about uh, how he goes about sharing the gospel. And that's really what I want to, to um, think about this morning because we've been thinking uh, sort of on and off over the last few weeks about how we, how we take the good news that God has given us and how we get it out of the building. How do we take it beyond these 
four walls so that as a church we don't just gather together on a Sunday morning and celebrate what God has done for us, but actually we take this message outside of the four walls and share the good news with, uh, with others. And uh, as I you know, read that passage from Acts 26 at the start of our service of Paul's conversion, Paul's sort of motivation for sharing this good news is his personal experience of the good news. He knows it's good news because it's utterly transformed his life. He spent the early part of his life striving, working hard, trying to earn God's approval, trying to earn eternal life, never satisfied with where he was because he always felt he should be doing more. And, he's, and, and that was the pressure that he lived his life under. And then he has this encounter with Jesus and realises actually it's a free gift. Jesus has done everything that was necessary on the cross. Jesus died in my place on the cross and now he's offering me free life and so, um, free eternal life. And so Paul's life is so utterly transformed that he just wants to share that with as, with as many people as possible. He thinks this has made such a difference to my life. It's such good news, I want other people to know about it. And so I just want to pull out um, uh, two or three things from these verses that Paul lands on as he writes to the church at Corinth. In verse 16, he says, When I preach the gospel, I can't boast, for I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For Paul, it's something that it just it spills out of him. It spills out of a passionate life. He's so passionate about what God has done for him that it, it spills out. It overflows. It's the overflow of his life. And he can't, he can't keep quiet about it. You, you know what it's like. When you, have, you know, when you have really good news, you can't keep quiet about it. You want to tell other people. If something wonderful happens to you, uh, you want to tell other people about it. One of the, the, um, the stories that I wrote years ago was about when Esther was born in the days before mobile phones and just knowing that when she was born we would need to tell lots of people but she, she came early, she was 12 days early and we were completely unprepared. And one of the things that I did when we realised the baby, you know, she was going to come that day uh, was I ran down to the local garage on the corner and I was, I was begging people in the queue for loose change to use in the phone at the hospital. Because I knew that there were all these people I needed to tell about the birth, and I had no change. Uh, so I was kind of asking people in the queue, you know, got to go to hospital, my wife's having a baby, I need change so I can ring people. Because when you've got good news, or you know good news is coming, you, you, you know you want to tell people about it. And for Paul, that's the thing. He's so excited about the good news. The danger for us is when we've, you know, if we've known the Lord a long time, the danger is, is complacency, the danger is familiarity, the danger is it becomes almost, it almost routine. Actually, it should never be routine. Our you know, excitement about what Jesus has done for us should be contagious. And Paul has this. He says, he says I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I don't, if I don't preach the gospel. And somehow we need to be a community of people that we, we're constantly stirring one another up. We need to be asking ourselves, well, have you had an opportunity this week to preach the gospel? Maybe I'll ask that question this morning. Think back over, over this last week. Did you have an opportunity to tell someone about the gospel? Uh, we need to be asking that question of each other, uh, you know, regularly, just to provoke each other, not to induce guilt, because, oh, no, I didn't. But actually, yeah, this, I've got this good news that I want to share. The reality is, 
that whether we like it or not, we are preaching the gospel. If you're known as a Christian, if you're known in this village as someone who attends the chapel, then whether you like it or not, you are preaching the gospel. Because people will observe your life. They observe, you know, they watch my life as a pastor. They watch our lives. And their first, their first understanding of the gospel will come from watching us. So first question is, well, what gospel are they, what gospel are they receiving from watching my life? Are they watch, seeing a life that seems to be filled with, um, you know, with, with kindness, with goodness, with love, with extravagance, with, uh, you know, with forgiveness? It's not that they see a perfect life, because they're never going to see a perfect life. But do they see a life that's being transformed by you know, by the gospel. I remember when, when our kids were little and I would, um, you know, get things wrong or be cross or one of the things that I tried to be, you know, quick to do was to say sorry and to ask for forgiveness because we're never going to be perfect. We're always going to mess up. But when we offend people, um, are we quick to apologise? Are we quick to forgive when, uh, you know, um, when people offend us? Uh, we had a discussion at Alpha on Tuesday night and, um, it was, it was really sad. A number of people said that their, their experience of growing up in church had not been positive. Their experience of growing up in church, of observing Christian lives, had not been positive. I was talking to somebody on Friday who, who uh, as a child, went to a, went to a church um, three times on a Sunday and once in the week until they were 14. And then at the age of 14, they left I mean, literally left, not just left the church, left the gospel behind. Because their experience of growing up, it just, it hadn't been, it hadn't been good news. So the first question we have to ask ourselves is, well, uh, when people observe my life, when people encounter me, uh, are they encountering something that is good, that is life-giving, that is, you know, that is positive? The first way that we share the gospel with people is simply by living, Living as, if we live as Christians, people watch our lives and will make their first assessment of the gospel, their first assessment of who Jesus is by looking at our lives and thinking, is that, is that a life that I would like to live? Is that the kind of person that I would like, I would like to be? So Paul, Paul you know, he, he, he lives this life. People watch his life. They observe him. They draw conclusions about Jesus from watching his life. But then Jesus, um, uh, Paul is... He's very intentional. He doesn't just live his life and hope that people will observe his life and uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ because of that. He's very intentional. In this middle section that I read from verse 19, uh, where basically he says, um, whoever he encountered, he sort of, sort of became like them. To the Jews, I became a Jew. To those under the law, I became like those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I become all things to all people. Now, is he being, he's not being deceitful. He's not being deceitful. He's not pretending to be something that he isn't. We don't preach the gospel through, um, through deception and through misleading people. What Paul is saying is, he's saying, he's saying, whatever it took to come alongside somebody, that's what I was prepared to do. In order to win an audience, he said, I was prepared to... Uh, put myself in the place of those people whoever they whoever they were in order to you know in order to win an audience in order to build relationship and one of the first things that we that we have to do and that we do do outside of these four worlds is to build relationship with those who don't yet know the lord and probably all of us are already 
in that situation. We're in um, different contexts where we are already in relationship with people who don't yet know the gospel. But the point that we have to get to in those relationships is, uh, is, is then sharing the gospel and using those opportunities. The best example of doing this is, in, uh, is from Jesus in Luke chapter 19 and the story of Zacchaeus, which I'm sure you'll be uh, familiar with. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And Jesus shows us the example of, of how to come alongside somebody where they are in order to share the good news of Jesus. Because I've said over the last few weeks, often what we, what we do in church life, uh, and, and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing this, but it can't be all that we do. What we do in church life is we create events to invite people to come to us. We create events uh, in our building, in our chapel, and we invite people to come to us. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with, you know, with doing that. It's great that we do curry nights and ladies' dinners and wagon and all the rest of it. But that's not all that we need to do. Uh, we need to be getting beyond the four walls. And Jesus just beautifully illustrates how to do that. Because Zacchaeus is someone who's despised by religious people. And Zacchaeus is someone who is not just kind of on the margins of God's people. He's beyond the pale. He's a collaborator with the Romans. He's not obeying the religious laws. He is despised by the Pharisees. He's someone that they think God would not be interested in. And the reason that I think we find Zacchaeus hiding up a tree, uh, trying to observe Jesus from a distance, is partly because he's little and he can't see over the top of the crowd, uh, but also because he knows that the religious people around him condemn him. But he's fascinated by Jesus, so he wants to catch a glimpse of Jesus from a distance, but he doesn't want to get, he doesn't want to get too close. He doesn't want to be seen, because he knows what people think of him. And he doesn't think that uh, Jesus, the great rabbi, is probably going to be interested in someone like him. And the thing that Jesus does is he sees Zacchaeus in the tree and he says, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. That's the that's the key to this encounter. And I think the key to the transformation of Zacchaeus's life is Jesus says, he says, I want to come and spend time with you where you live. He says, I want to come and spend time in a place where you're comfortable. I want to be in an environment where you feel at home and where I might not feel at home. And that's the way round it is. Jesus doesn't say, oh, come with me to the synagogue and we'll have a chat. He says, no, I want to come and have tea at your house today. So we need to be intentional about thinking, well, well, how can we have... I don't mean kind of literally start inviting yourself around to people's houses for tea, although you might want to do that and that might work. But, you know, just take the principle of it. How can I, you know, intentionally get involved in in the lives of those who are not, you know, who don't yet know the Lord? And we do it not because, oh, we want to fill up the seats in the chapel. We do it because our hearts are just filled with love and compassion of, you know, the love and compassion of God that we, we just, we love the people around us. We love the people around us. Um, Whether we, um, you know, regardless of who they are, regardless of what kind of lifestyle they might be leading or what, we just, you know, God loves everybody and that's the love that should motivate us. So so our our intention in doing this is not, you know, know, to, to fill up the seats in the chapel on a Sunday morning. It's simply the love, the love of God that compels us, the love of God that motivates us to get alongside those um, 
who don't you? And the thing that transforms Zacchaeus' life is the fact that Jesus comes and spends time with him. And we don't know the, um, be, I'd love to have a transcript of their conversation, but we don't. It's one of those kind of blanks in the gospel. We don't know what they talked about. But I'm willing to bet that Jesus didn't go to tea at Zacchaeus' house and scold him and tell him off and criticise him and said, you know, you sh- these are all the wrong things, you should be doing all of these things. I think the conversation went something like Jesus uh, just loved him and showed him compassion and welcomed him. And that's what blew Zacchaeus' mind because that was not what he was expecting. And the thing that transforms Zacchaeus is he looks at Jesus and basically says, he says, I want to be like you. I want to live your life. He sees a different way of living. And that's what begins to transform him, which is why he comes out of this encounter, uh, you know, transformed from a selfish person into a selfless one. Here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. He's utterly transformed by this encounter with Jesus. But how does he have the encounter with Jesus? Because uh, Jesus said, I want to come and be where I want to come and be where you are. So that's the challenge for, you know, for us as we want to, if we want to become more intentional about taking the gospel out of these four walls. It's finding ways of not just um, coming alongside those who are living a different kind of life, but then using the opportunity to share something of the good news of Jesus, something of our testimony, the difference that Jesus has, uh, has made to us. Uh, one more thing I'm going to mention, and then I'm going to mention a few little things that we might use to help us um, take the gospel out. Because you say, well, that's very fine. You know, I, I'm involved in all sorts of different societies. and I'm involved in different, different clubs. But how, how do I actually do that? How do I get through that, you know, the sort of the pain barrier that we've talked about before? Uh, one other thing from verse um, 25. Again, Paul is very intentional about the way he goes about living his life. Uh, he says, uh, the, sorry, the end of verse 24, he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. And he's using the analogy of, of athletes competing in the games. And it's a very simple thing. And very obvious. He says, if you want to win the prize, run in such a way as to win the prize. So, for Paul, his, what's the prize he wants to win? The prize really is the reward of sharing the good news of Jesus with those around him. The reward of sharing the good news of Jesus with those who don't yet know it, particularly for Paul, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish nations. And so that's what he wants to do. So he thinks, well, what do I need to do in order to be equipped to do that? How do I run in such a way as to get the prize? Well, I think for us, it's, it's being very intentional about our discipleship, which is all about... Uh, prayer. It's all about knowing God's word. It's all about encountering God in worship. It's being very deliberate and very intentional. We talk sometimes about Christian disciplines. And I think, oh, I don't want a discipline. Well, actually, we do need some disciplines. We need disciplines to build our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Disciplines to be praying intentionally for those that we want to discover the good news of Jesus Christ. Reading intentionally God's word, making it a daily discipline because this book is full of God's truth. And if we want to know the promises of God and the truth of the gospel, there's no shortcut. You just have to be intentional. And Paul's very intentional about living his life. And we need to learn from that. We need to think, well, 
Well, how can I when, I... when I first became a Christian, at the age of 17, my sister gave me a little, uh, a little book of uh, little uh, Bible readings and prayers. And it literally took me five minutes, five minutes in the morning. Uh, I'd read this little Bible passage and then think about it and then there'd be a little prayer. Uh, and I did that five minutes a day. But that, it was a, such a good discipline because it just started me on the practice of every day beginning, and sometimes, but literally, mostly the beginning of every day, beginning the day with Bible reading and prayer. And that's a, a discipline that I've maintained on and off for, uh, you know, for 40 years of being intentional. So I set my alarm so I get up early enough, uh, which, you know, during the summer it's all very easy because the birds are singing, but, you know, starting to get now, the alarm goes off and it's still dark. And, you know, but I, I, I kick myself out of bed and, uh, because I want to be intentional. I want to be intentional about building my relationship with the Lord because I want to be intentional about sharing him with others. So, so Paul, is, he, he has this compulsion to share the gospel because he realises the difference that it's made to his life. But then he's intentional about finding ways of doing it. So on your, on your chairs... You probably sat on it, or if you saw it before you sat down, you might have picked it up. There's a little copy of a gospel. It might be John's gospel, and it might be Mark's gospel, but it's a little copy of a gospel. I want you to take at least one away with you. If there are spares, do take one away with you. Because what's one of the things that we can do? You know, we, 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 we come across people, we live alongside people. How do, you, how do you kind of get to that next step of not just having someone observe your life, and, and, and look at your life and think, oh, I'd like to be like you because you're loving and kind and generous and caring. But then how do we go to the next step of, 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 of giving the gospel to someone? This is such an easy way to do it. Uh, it's a little copy of one of the gospels. It may have a little explanation in the front about the, the good news of Jesus, why Jesus died. But I've, I've tried to become intentional about giving these away. So I put in the email this week, Monday, I went up to London, I was on the tube and I'd, I'd taken a few little books with me and I was praying for opportunities to give them away over the course of the day. So I had this little, one of these little gospels in my bag. I was sat on the tube and you know on the tube, no one ever talks to anybody else. Everyone's sat there, they're either on their screens, their headphones are in. So having a conversation with someone on the tube is, you know, is, it, it's kind of an unwritten rule, you just don't do that. And if you do do that, you're weird. No one strikes up a conversation with a stranger on the tube. It's just kind of, it's kind of an unwritten rule. But a couple of minutes before I was due to get off, this gentleman, probably 50s or 60s, sat down next to me. And, and unusually, he said something. So we started this very, it was a very brief conversation. So I was literally a minute from getting off the tube. But we had this little conversation. And I gave him, I thought, you're the guy that's going to get the gospel today. So I took the gospel out and I gave it to him. I said, this is a little book about... Um, you know, God's good news to you, that God loves you, God bless you. And that was it. He was gone. I'll never see him again. But my prayer is that he'll, he sat on the tube and he, and he read it. And my prayer is he'll encounter another Christian who will add to what I did. Because that's the thing. You don't, have to, you don't have to give people a systematic theology of the atonement, I think that's our kind of fear is, or if I, you know, I've got to have it all, you know, I've got it all nailed down. No, you're just, you're one link. You're one link in a chain. You're one link. You share a little bit. They encounter someone else. 
someone else shares a, a, a little bit and God puts it all together to the moment where the lights go on and someone says, I want to, you know, I want to follow Jesus. So take those and don't hide them under a bushel. Pray this week, I'm going to pray that you'll find someone that you can give it to, a friend, a neighbour, someone in a shop. On the shelf, there are some other little boxes. Is it possible? Those are great, great giveaways. Take one of those as well. Give them to a friend. They're just, just a really good way of someone who, who might be interested. So that's kind of a step before giving someone a gospel. That's just like a, you know, a thing that you can give someone and it's got some pictures and testimonies and other stuff in there. These little gospels, we're about to get some printed um, for the chapel. So it will say on the inside cover, this is a gift from Bolney Village Chapel, blah, 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 blah. And then on the back cover, it will have um, email and website and stuff. So there'll be like personalised ones for, um, for us to use. But my, what I want us to do is to just encourage, you know, encourage one another to give these things away. So when you come for coffee next Sunday morning, now no one's going to come, are you? You're going to stay at home. But when you come for coffee, let's just say, well, who did you give your gospel to? And if you didn't get an opportunity, it doesn't matter. If you didn't give an opportunity, give it away. And you say, I've still got it. It you know, doesn't matter. Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel condemned. Really doesn't matter. This is about you know, encouraging us to be bold and to be brave. And it might take a little while to get there. But that's next Sunday morning, when you come, Ask each other, what, who did you give your, did you get an opportunity to give it away? And if you didn't, just hang on to it. Maybe next week you'll get someone to, to give it to.